Big news in American politics today with the US Supreme Court agreeing to decide whether former President Donald J. Trump can face prosecution on charges of plotting to overturn the 2020 election or whether he has presidential immunity. John Barron's the co-host of ABC's Planet America. G'day, John. G'day, Andy. What does today's decision mean? Is this a partial victory for Donald Trump? Well, it's certainly a victory given that his number one defence strategy against these 91 different indictments he's facing across four different criminal cases is to delay, delay, delay. This is a delay in uh, in in because while ever the the supreme court is considering the question of presidential immunity none of the other cases uh, of a criminal nature against him can proceed but it's important to note andy that there has never been a, an accepted notion of presidential immunity from criminal prosecution it's for exactly that reason that when richard nixon resigned from the presidency in 1974 to avoid impeachment over watergate he was then pardoned by his successor, Gerald Ford, so that he would not be criminally charged and prosecuted and possibly sent to jail. So it is a novel political theory that has been knocked back by two courts so far, including the Circuit Court of Appeal, and yet now the Supreme Court has said, well, you know what, this is important enough that we will hear this case. Do you think we'll have a verdict on the January 6th trial before November and the presidential election? That is the $64,000 question, Andy. The clock is ticking. The timeline is looking very tight, but it is hard to know for sure. The Supreme Court is going to hear the immunity case arguments in late April, so a month and a half from now. They could have an expedited ruling. They could issue their judgment within days, or they could do as they often do with Supreme Court cases and wait until the very end of, of their session, which is in late June, when they tend to issue a whole pile of judgments all at once before they head off to their summer homes for vacations. So are they going to speed this up or are they going to slow it down? The judge, Tanya Chutkin, in that January 6th case, Andy, has said that she wants to give Trump's defence three months to prepare for this trial from the point at which a date is set. So if you add three months to whenever the Supreme Court issues its ruling, could be in early May, could be in late June, add three months to that, there could be some other procedural delays. Suddenly this case, which looked as though it was going to be done and dusted by June or July, may not start until September. It'll be going on through October. The election is on the 5th of November. So it could be that the election itself happens in the middle of a trial before there is a verdict and voters are being asked to decide whether to re-elect Donald Trump, Trump before jurors have decided whether he tried to steal the last election. Meanwhile, uh, an Illinois judge has ruled that Donald Trump did engage in insurrection and has barred him from the state's primary ballot. But the ruling is on hold pending an appeal of the Illinois primary. Uh, is scheduled for March 19, I believe. So what does this mean? Will, will it have an impact on the, his bid for the Republican nomination? It's not going to have a material impact because Donald Trump is probably going to have all the delegates he needs by this time next week after Super Tuesday to beat Nikki Haley, who's not really making significant inroads into his dominance in the primaries that we've seen so far. Donald Trump has won four from four after after the last week. So it's, a, it's a debatable as to whether it's going to have a material impact, of course, if there were to be a scenario where 
the decision were to be upheld and uh, there would be a question of whether Donald Trump would appear on the Illinois state ballot in November. Well, Illinois is a solidly democratic state, uh, so it's not it's not going to change the outcome of the election. But uh, if it were to be sustained by the courts, then that would potentially have implications for other states. But so far, it seems, certainly in the Colorado case that the Supreme Court has heard, we haven't yet got a, a judgment on that case, Andy, but the, the line of questioning from the justices, including the liberal or progressive judges, seem to think that there is no way that you can bar Donald Trump from being on uh, state election ballots because you think that he is an insurrectionist and not qualified to be president of the United States under the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution. So that case, it's an interesting one, but it is likely to uh, to not really go very far. It's 12 past four. You're listening to RN Drive. Planet America's John Barron is here. We're discussing all the latest developments in US politics. And this week, John, we had the presidential primaries for both the Republicans and the Democrats in the state of Michigan. Um, Obviously, uh, sort of poor news for the Nikki Haley camp. What were your key takeaways more broadly? It was a, a dominant performance from from Donald Trump, uh, winning by almost sixty, almost seventy uh, points to thirty. Uh, so it was a big, big, you know, seventy thirty sort of split, uh, and and a good turnout for Republicans in the state of Michigan, which is a battleground state in November. Michigan, in some scenarios, could actually decide the presidency come November. It is a, a, an important battleground state. Uh, on the Democratic side, even though it's a less competitive primary, a fascinating result and a really important one potentially, Andy, because while uh, Joe Biden got more than 70% of the vote, almost 80% of the vote, there was a 13% uncommitted vote. You have the option of not just voting for the candidates on the ballot, but also uh, putting in an uncommitted vote. And there was a significant campaign in Michigan for voters to, to register a protest against Joe Biden's closeness to Israel in their war in Gaza. Uh, there's a large Arab American population, particularly around Dearborn, in Michigan, about 200,000 Arab Americans there. This is a state which Donald Trump won by 10,000 in 2016, Joe Biden won by 100,000 in uh, in 2020. So for 100,000 people to effectively lodge an uncommitted protest vote this week, that sends a loud and clear message. Joe Biden has, of course, been talking up the possibility of a ceasefire uh, as early as next week in interviews this week, and that could well have been a, quite a political calculation to stop too much of a backlash vote in Michigan. At the end of the day, it, we don't even need to see these 100,000 Arab Americans and their progressive supporters who are more on the side of Palestine than they are on the side of Israel, perhaps. We don't even need them to change their vote to Donald Trump or a third-party candidate. If they simply stay at home in November and don't vote for Joe Biden, then Donald Trump could become president as a result of that. So this is uh, certainly worrying times for the Biden campaign. Yeah, I've been reading this week about how the Trump campaign is reaching out to that Arab-American constituency around Dearborn in Michigan, and it's incredible to think Trump is now courting this uh, this group, considering all the comments he's made over the years, you know, that, uh, that the US has a, a Muslim problem, uh, his references to quote-unquote shithole countries. It's incredible, really, that all of a sudden Trump is appealing, trying to appeal at least to that Arab-American uh, community as kind of a, a legitimate choice. We know that uh, they helped to elect Biden last time around. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. He's got a similar outreach, Andy, to the African American community. These are these are parts of American the American electorate, which Republicans like Donald Trump typically only attract fifteen or twenty percent support. But even if even if the arguments seem a little implausible or unlikely, if he's able to convince another five percent to to support him over Joe Biden through appealing to their their hip pocket nerves to say you'll be more prosperous under a Trump Republican government than you might be under. Joe Biden, uh, you know Donald Trump. Uh, for all his faults, he he is he has been described perhaps as a poor person's idea of a rich person. He is aspirational. He lives the kind of life with gold toilets and and supermodel spouses that uh, some people aspire to. So uh, it is not implausible that he could win over uh, a few tens of thousands of additional voters that could be crucial come November. And just lastly, Nikki Haley, of course, she's kind of walked down the garden path of criticism against Donald Trump, probably too much to be in any way considered a, a, a vice president candidate. But what, what's she hanging out for here? Because she clearly has money behind her. Is it the aspirations of, the, of that money that are still keeping her in this race? Well, it seems, Andy, that that money is about to dry up. Uh, We've got the Super Tuesday primaries next week where 16 states and territories are going to hold primaries and caucuses, and that could be sort of crunch time for Nikki Haley. The the powerful financial donors that she had behind her for the last three or four months, the uh, the so-called Coke Network, Americans for Prosperity, uh, they've channeled tens of millions of dollars into her campaign to help her out with advertising and door knocking to get out the vote. But that money is now being switched off after a decision from Americans for Prosperity this week. And that could well mean that Nikki Haley's final stand is next week. But if she were to stay in the contest beyond then, when it will start to become mathematically almost impossible for her to win the delegates in order to become the Republican nominee, it's already highly implausible. The polls suggest she hasn't got a chance. But you would then have to wonder, well, what, what does she know that we don't know? What's her game plan? Does she really think that one of these court cases could disqualify Donald Trump from being the nominee at the last minute? Or is she so convinced that Donald Trump is is unfit to be President of the United States, as she has said on a number of occasions now, that uh, that she thinks that uh, she'll be the next cab off the rank. She could be the Republican nominee in four years from now. So we don't really know what Nikki Haley's game plan is. But you're right, this has become a bitter enough campaign that it's, it's not likely that we're going to see her becoming a vice presidential nominee for Donald Trump. But then again, uh, in the past, uh, former rivals have patched up their difference uh, Ronald Reagan picked George Bush, who ran against him in a fairly bitter primary in 1980, to be his vice president. So sometimes, in the in the uh, in the name of party unity, these sort of uh, these marriages of convenience can happen. But it does mm-hmm. look very unlikely right now. It's uh, name recognition and branding that money can't buy for the next presidential tilt. That's my theory, anyway. Uh, John Barron is the co-host of Planet America on ABC TV. Great to have you. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Andy. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.